Well, we get all that cuteness and fun and laughter, and then I get to come up. All right. <laughs> um, I, a thought that came to mind as we were watching the children on stage, uh, smiles just kind of spread throughout. And what's so amazing is, uh, you know, so, like my child did about uh, four or five words of singing and the rest looking behind her. But uh, do you know God smiles on us when he sees us? We think that uh, we're disappointing him, we're letting him down, but he smiles because he loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus. And so um, my name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here at Carnegie Free, and um, it's a joy to be able to worship with you today. I want to say hi to all of you. And some of you are new. Some of you uh, maybe haven't been here for a while and um, just want to say welcome. Um, Also, uh, some of you may be joining online, and I want to say hi to you, and normally I get to chat and talk with people online, so uh, it's a joy to be here this morning. But imagine with me, your entire life has culminated to this, this one point, okay? You've ex- experienced suffering, you've experienced pain, loss, you're, you're older, and it was maybe 105 years old, she's fasting, she's praying, she's seeking the Lord. You know, there's a long period of silence from God. And she's fasting, she's praying, she's saying, Lord, when are you going to send your Messiah? We've been anxiously waiting for your Messiah to come. And in these four verses, Anna's entire life is rewarded because of her faithfulness. You know, one of her prayers was, as, as, as uh, many people memorize large portions of the Old Testament, in Isaiah seven fourteen, it says this, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and I will call him Emmanuel. Her whole life of faithfulness, of the ups and downs, of the unmet expectations, of the crushed expectations led to this moment of seeing this wonderful, beautiful baby who is to bring about salvation to the whole world. Her life was rewarded with Jesus. My hope and prayer today is, as as we see Anna's faithfulness, her, this entire span of potentially 105 years, and she's like, this is it. And she thanked God, thank you that I was counted to be able to see Jesus with my own eyes. My hope and my prayer is that we can hope in Jesus and that our lives are a demonstration of long, steady faithfulness. That's my hope. Because Anna's entire hope was placed in Jesus. In the coming Messiah, her life result was lasting faithfulness. There's two terms I want to define here for us. First is faithfulness. Faithfulness is confidence in Jesus as Lord and hope in his greater plan, as stated in Hebrews 1.11. Now faith is confidence of what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. Faithfulness is more about a state of being. It's a mindset It's a disposition. I have faith and I have confidence in Jesus and therefore I'm going to hope in him and him alone. The other is obedience. Obedience is saying yes to God despite the circumstances, despite the outcomes, despite the unknowns, despite the pain, the suffering, the ups and downs. Obedience is saying yes. Obedience is more about doing than it is feeling. Obedience is saying yes Obedience is action-oriented. 
Anna was faithful and she was obedient. She was faithful to God over a long period of time, but she was obedient to say yes to God, spending time in the temple fasting and praying and then seeing Jesus. What if we had greater hope in Jesus, which resulted in long-lasting faithfulness in our lives? That's our hope for us this morning. I'm going to read Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 40. And it's also up on the screens, Luke 2, 36 through 40. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phenuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and left the temple, or sorry, and never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that we are able to gather together to worship you and to hear uh, Many children worship you from pure hearts. What a joy it is that we get to celebrate Jesus today. Father, there are people here in this very moment who have experienced difficulty, pain, suffering, heartache, loss. And Father, I pray for long, steady faithfulness that every person here can see themselves as able to be faithful. And Lord, will you empower us through our hope in Jesus, which results in lasting faithfulness. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's focus in here on Luke chapter 2, verses 36 and 37. So there was a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phenuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. The scripture makes sure that we know that she was very old. Do we have any hurt backs in the, in the place? Okay. Got any old folks hurt back? Am I considered old? The first service thought that was funnier. It's okay. I don't, I don't compare you, or you, don't, you do not compete with the first service. You're your own service, okay? She'd lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. Here's what we know about Anna, okay? She experienced the pain of losing her husband after seven short years. And we don't know how long she grieved for. We don't know how long she mourned for. We don't know how she uh, paid the bills. We don't know how she ate. We don't know who took care of her. All we know is after seven years, she loses her husband. The pain of crushed expectations. Her life looked nothing like she thought it was going to look. She gets married. Um, They may or may not have children. And then boom, she's struck with loss and she becomes a widow. Maybe she didn't have children. Maybe she outlived her children, especially considering she was potentially 105 years old. She experienced a lot of life, a lot of ups, lots of of downs, okay? There's not much we know about Anna, but here's what we do know. Pain can either bolster your faith or expose your lack of faith. Pain and suffering has this powerful way of revealing our hearts to us. Pain is just God's primary way 
of revealing our hearts to us. Anna's faith was bolstered because her hope was in Jesus and Jesus alone. Have you ever boiled water, maybe made some broth, put some salt in the water, put some seasoning, and maybe you left it for a little too long? And you return, it's all dried up, and what's left is the salt and the residue. Pain, suffering, is kind of like a boiling pot of water. The water's our life. The salt, the seasoning, is what we put into our life. And the fire, the boiling, is the pain and suffering. And what's left is what we hope in, what we trust in. And pain has this way of just distilling it all down. And here's, here's what it is. Here's what we have left. Pain, suffering, is God's primary tool to test our faith. And there's a common misconception when it comes to testing. Testing has nothing to do with pass or fail. God does not send us a test of pain and suffering and say, let's see if my child passes or fails. No. I I, I hope that we can remove that idea from our brains. We're not passing or failing here in this moment. Okay, Pain... And suffering has to do with purifying. For example, when it comes to precious metals, precious metals are tested, which means uh, the, the, the precious metal, the gold, is melted down, and then the impurities of that metal is removed. And now the gold, the silver, is more precious and more valuable because of the testing. So in Scripture, when we see that God tests us, what is he doing? He's melting us down and removing the impurities, removing the, the weaknesses so that he can make us more valuable and more precious. I hope that you see the testing of the Lord as making you valuable and making you precious. And we see this absolutely in Anna's life. We don't know how long she grieved for. We don't know about those many years until this moment here in Luke 2, these four verses but her, the, the lasting result of her testing was a pure, valuable, precious life. And we need to be thankful for that. Pain also can callous our hearts. Um, man, life pretty much hardly ever works out like we think it will. And when you get punched in the face and pain and suffering hits you every day, and your life's and your your expectations of reality are just every day. It's like, come on, is, is what else is going to go wrong? Over time, your heart can get hard and callous. And when you have a callous, hard heart, it it becomes harder for you to hear the voice of the Lord. It can be harder for you to hear. Sometimes He whispers to us, and your heart is so hardened because of your disappointment, and your frustration. You're like, God, am I failing this test? So how can we soften and break a hard heart that's been callous through the ups and downs of life, the disappointments of life, the loss of life? Here's what you can do. You go before the Lord and you say, Lord, break my heart. Do you know that's a, that's a good prayer to pray? Lord, break my hard heart. Will you soften my hard heart so that I can hear you again? Lord, I've been through the ups and downs of life, the pain, the suffering, the loss of life. And can you remind me of what it's like to have a soft heart, maybe even a childlike heart? Another prayer 
Lord, help me see through the pain and through the suffering to the other side to see what you're doing through all of this. What was Anna's response to pain and suffering? Verse 37, the second half of verse 37. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying and prophesying. Anna was very old. She was probably poor, and maybe she was without children. Maybe she outlived her children. So she had experienced it all, all the things that life has to offer, yet every day she went to the temple fasting and praying and seeking the Lord and and prophesying, telling of what's going to come, of this baby that's going to change the world, this Messiah. She was faithful. Do you know, faithfulness does not come from your pedigree, your wealth, your talents, or your bodily health. Faithfulness has nothing to do with those things. Anyone can be faithful. Anyone. And I want you to repeat after me. Say, anyone. I wonder if somebody's behind their computer or their phone right now and said, anyone. Okay, thank you for repeating with me. Anyone can be faithful. Everyone can be faithful. Anna was an evangelist. She spoke about this child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. She shared with with everyone about this this Messiah who's here. I met Jesus. I met this baby. And he's going to change the world. She was faithful to pray. She was faithful to fast. She was faithful to tell the good news. It's not incidental that God used Anna, an older woman, a widow, shepherds, uh, a young woman in Mary. God used normal people to do magnificent things. God does not look for special, talented, amazing people. God looks for regular people in faithfulness, consistency, every day pursuing the Lord to do the magnificent things that he wants to do. Anyone can be faithful. God wants to use you and he wants to use me. I was at a EFCA conference and I was having lunch with some of the pastors there and um, an older gentleman looked like he was looking for a seat. So I was like, hey, come, come join us. And he maybe was late 80s. And we got to talking, got to learn about each other. And I remember him saying, um, he, he like thanked me for like letting him sit with us. And I remember him saying, young people don't talk to me. And I was struck like there's this wonderful man of God who has lived and served God his entire life, has served as a pastor, as a, as a leader, as a deacon. And younger people don't want to talk to him because he's old. Like, are you kidding me? We need to elevate, celebrate, and honor the faithful saints in our church, in our churches. We need to say, thank you, Lord, that we have these wonderful saints who have lived and experienced the ups and downs of life. Thank you, Jesus, that we have them. Our society has this obsession with youthfulness, with hype, with vibes, with... uh, coolness with with all these different things and it discards older people as as cringe and some of you know that word um i don't care about cringe 
I don't care about vibes. I don't care about good time feelings. I love and support and celebrate consistency, faithfulness displayed over time. And the Lord honors that. My hope and prayer is that we do not see this message as you to do magnificent things for the Lord, to to show your faithfulness. No, quiet, steady, dedicated faithfulness over time. That's what the Lord requires of us. So to the younger person, here's my encouragement. Value with everything in your entire being lasting faithfulness demonstrated over time. Value especially those who have fought the long battle of faithfulness, who have experienced the pain and heartache that life has. And to the older person, we need you. We need your voice. We need your wisdom. We need your experience. We need your unsolicited opinions. We need that. We welcome that. So to the young person, reach and seek out the faith and the wisdom of older saints. To the older saints here in in this church, do not feel like you're discarded because of your age, because of your lack of knowledge of what's going on with the youths. Instead, step into those places. Share, share your life experiences. We welcome them. Eugene H. Peterson, in his book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, Discipleship in an Instant Society, wrote this. The experts in our society who offer to help us have a kind of general staff mentality from which massive top-down solutions are issued to solve our problems. Then when the solutions don't work, we get mired in the nothing-can-be-done swamp. We are first incited into being grandiose and then intimidated into being infantile. But there is another way, the plain way of quiet Christian humility. Oh, man, quiet Steady, dedicated, faithful Christian humility. That is what we need more of. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul um, expounds on this idea of humility and weakness. Here's what he says. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. God's not looking for strong, powerful, capable, talented people. He's looking for weak people who have come to the end of themselves and say, God, I have nothing to offer. I have been beat up by life. My body's failing. I'm hurting. I'm sick. I have lost. I'm grieving. That's who God's looking for. Because when you come to this place where you have nothing to offer God, that is when you are most used by God. When you are faithful and normal and consistent. When you are weak, then he can become strong. I remember uh, a famous person um, communicated that he had received Jesus. And yes, of course, many people were skeptical. But um, I'm on a, a, a couple of minister groups on Facebook And I remember some of the ministers saying, now that this famous person has become a Christian, revival is going to break through in America. And I remember being a little skeptical about that, a little doubtful. And here's why. More often than not, when revival happens amongst a people, it's through normal people. Actually, it's through cast out people. It's through people who have not a lot to offer. 
not very powerful, not very influential, that's when revival breaks through. When normal people are faithful in their weakness and trust in the Lord, that's when massive change happens. Normal, regular people, not powerful, influential, mighty people for the most part. So there are people here in this room, your bodies are breaking down, maybe you're aging, maybe you've experienced loss and sorrow, maybe your life has just completely unmet expectations and it's nothing like you thought it was, nothing like you dreamed it was. What if you wore that heartache, that loss, that suffering, like a badge of honor, and you said, yes, my life has been hard, but God has been faithful. He has tested my faith and improved my faith and made my faith precious and made my faith valuable, and you wear that, and you share that, and you talk about that. When somebody's like, how's it going? You're like, it's going good, but let me tell you about how faithful God is to me. And you wear those ups and downs like a badge of honor. Embrace this weakness and wear it like a badge of honor. God, if you're going to use us, it's going to have to be miraculous because we're nobodies. Can you do something miraculous through a bunch of nobodies so that you can do something magnificent? That's how God operates. So Anna was faithful because her strength and her hope was founded in Jesus. That's why she was faithful, because that was her hope. Luke 2.38. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Years and years of fasting and praying and anxiously awaiting for this Messiah led to this very moment. Anna saw Jesus. Her entire life of 105 years led to her meeting and seeing Jesus. And what did she do? She thanked God. Thank you, God, that my life was considered worthy, that I get to see Jesus and I get to be recorded in the scriptures, these four verses. Experiencing Jesus is the ultimate reward of faithfulness. Meeting Jesus is worth it all when we are faithful. There's a wonderful hymn that immediately came to mind as I was preparing my message. Maybe you've heard it before. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Our hope, we can hope in so many different things. And then we, we put our hope in there and we stand on that and then, oh, it's sinking sand. But when our hope is in Jesus, everything around us sinks, everything else around us decays. But our hope, when it, our hope is in Jesus, it's lasting and steady. And he will not let us down. He will not fail us. And his faithfulness was founded in the faithful one because Jesus is always faithful. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. No, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us 
in our time of need. Jesus was tempted. Jesus was rejected. Jesus was beaten. He was bruised. He was uh, rejected by his father when he put the sin of the world on his shoulders. Jesus knew it all, and yet he was always faithful. Why is this important? Jesus' faithfulness to go to the cross was because his reward was you and me. Jesus was faithful first because he wanted to die for us so that we can have a relationship with God the Father. Jesus has always been faithful. He never failed. He never let us down. He continuously pursued the cross because that is why he came to this earth, was to die for our sins. Because Jesus is faithful to us, we can be faithful to him because he is always faithful and never fails. How can we receive this reward of, uh, as the result of our faithfulness? How can we receive this reward of Jesus? By being weak, coming to the end of ourselves, saying, I have nothing left to offer. When we're at that place, that's when we're ready to receive. No more strategies, no more ideas, no more motivations. This is all I am, God. Will you receive me? Will you take me? And he's like, absolutely. I want you at this place because then you're ready. Maybe your, your heart's been calloused. Maybe you've been struggling with the ups and downs of life. Here's a prayer that you can pray. Jesus, I place my trust in your hands. All my hope in your hands. Will you be my reward? That is a wonderful prayer of just openness and vulnerability to the Lord. Maybe when you were young, your parents said, hey, it's my birthday or it's Christmas. I know you're six and you don't have any money. Here's $15, go get me a gift. So you're like, okay. And you, you head to the store, you, you get your parents a gift. And it's funny because they're the ones who gave you the money and you went to buy them the gift. And, and then, you know, your mom's like, thank you so much for getting me this gift. You're like, you gave me the money, right? Here's how God operates. <clears throat> We're like, God, I, I want to serve you. God, if you do this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dedicate my life to you. You know, we, we make these deals with God. Um, we do not have the capabilities to love and serve God. When we understand that we have nothing to offer him, here's what we can do. God, will you give me the money to love and serve you? Will you give me the money to buy you the gift of loving and honoring you? I have no money. My pockets are empty. I have no joy. I have no faithfulness. I have no courage. I have no endurance. Can you give me the joy, the faithfulness, the endurance, the steadfastness, the faith. Because I, I don't have it. God loves to give us those gifts. We have nothing to offer. He gives it to us and then we give it back. That is faithfulness. Because he is always ready and willing to give us the gifts because he is a good gift giver. When you, when you fail... When you mess up, when you sin, when your heart starts to get calloused, you think that the Lord looks down upon you, that he's disappointed in you. Actually, just like our faces shined when we saw these children singing and dancing, and many of them were off, off key and off dance, <laughs> we're smiling. 
When we say, Lord, I have nothing to offer you. I am beat up. Can you give me courage today? Can you give me endurance today? He smiles and he says, absolutely. Every single time. Today is the day to begin your journey of faithfulness. Don't wait till you feel like it. What if you chose today to begin your journey of faithfulness over time, quiet, humble, steady? That's our prayer. Let's pray together. Father God, life is hard. Our lives have been tested, been put under the heat, but you're making us more valuable and more precious. Can you help us understand anyone can be faithful? God, we don't need special people. You don't need special people. Will you use us, regular people, to do amazing things because of your great love, your gift of grace? Father, move in this place this morning and soften our hearts. And may our life results be lasting faithfulness. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.